welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And you guys, if you are feeling isolated, if you're feeling like you don't have a tribe of women, like-minded people to really help you transcend from where you are right now into the person that you know you are being called to be, or maybe you're getting that soul calling and you're not quite answering it yet and it's turning more into a scream and it's starting to make you feel even more awful than the thought of facing the fear around doing that actual thing. If you're in any of these positions, you have to join me this year at The Bliss Project. It is March 2nd through the 4th in Newport Beach, California, and it is going to be a life-changing weekend. If you've been wanting to bust through your fears and really meet a like-minded tribe of people, this is exactly where you must be. If you're feeling called to this, I want you to go check it out at theblissproject.info right now. It's also in the show notes. And who is this event for? You guys, I really want to get clear on if you're feeling called to it, I want to make sure that you know what is going to go on there. So if you have always had a desire to do something big, but you've always been afraid to follow through, if you feel like you don't have the tools or the expertise to take the next step, if you wish you had that tribe of supportive people, if you're ready to take that next step into the next level, but you have no idea what that's even supposed to look like, or if you just want to feel more fully alive each day. And this is absolutely for you if you want a deeper connection and understanding in your relationships, if you want to become more fulfilled in your own job that you have right now and in daily tasks, if you want to know the true desires of your soul. And if you're ready to enjoy the journey just as much as the destination. And truly, if you are feeling called to expand your spiritual connection, we're going to be doing some incredible exercises, meditations. We have some awesome teachers who are going to come in and really give you the space to understand what that feels like for you. Because for everyone, it's so different. But to be able to do it together uh, makes you feel even more connected than you've ever felt before. So if you're interested in meditation, if you want to create a solid foundation for all of your goals and dreams to be built on, or if you just need a mental reset, a confidence booster, and to really own your own personal power. You guys, this is the place that you want to be. So there are still some tickets left, but they sell out fast. You guys in this year will be the best bliss project that we've ever done. We have a really amazing team working on it and we're adding so many more things than we have ever done in prior years because I know that when I get the opportunity to put 
epic women into a room. I want magical things there so that you guys can truly have the tools to create your own amazing transformation and experiences. And you guys, what happens there is nothing short of miraculous. So if you're ready to create your transformation, if you're ready to step in, if you're ready to have your tribe, this is where you want to be. And I hope that you join us and that I get to meet you and hug you and see you there. So theblissproject.info. Welcome back to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. And I'm so excited to have Andrea Owen on the podcast for a second time. You guys, if you really want to dive deep into her backstory, that was on her first podcast, which I am linking up in the show notes. And definitely uh, go back and listen to that if you resonate with what she says, because it was really incredible. So Andrea is an author, a mentor, a certified life coach. She helps high achieving women let go of perfectionism, control and isolation and choosing courage and confidence instead. She's helped thousands of women manage their inner critic to create loving connections and live their most kick-ass life. She is the proud author of 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life. And when she's not juggling her full-time coaching practice or hosting retreats, Andrea is busy competing in triathlons, chasing her 10-year-old son and 7-year-old daughter, or (laughs) making out with her husband, Jason. (laughs) That is what her bio says, and I absolutely love that. Her second book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit, 14 Habits That Are Holding You Back from Happiness, is due out in January 2018, so you guys can absolutely go and grab that book. I am so excited about it. Obviously, she is one of the most authentically um, real people I know, just so true to her actual voice. She is also a retired roller derby player having skated under the name Veronica Vane. So, you know, clearly we have to go get the former Veronica Vane's amazing book. And Andrea just has so much life and she just embraces and embodies the journey. And I love that about her. So let's get started. Andrea, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast again. I've been looking forward to this. Sure, coming on twice. Thanks for having me. Oh, you know what? It actually feels like yesterday that we did a podcast. I was like, how are we doing another podcast? But I'm so excited. Yes, I absolutely want to talk to you and let's record it. <laughs> Good. Happy to be here. Oh, uh, so what has been going on since I last talked to you? And you guys, I'm gonna put a reference in the show notes so that you can hear her last podcast and really hear all about her story. Um, but Andrea, if you want to give us like a, a brief overview of how you started doing what you're doing and what you're up to right now. How I started doing what I'm doing. Do you mean like writing the book or like in general in terms of personal development? You know what? Let's give them a little overview of your life. Just kind of. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. That story. I think <laughs> I, I think I did talk about this last time on your show and it's, yeah. it is sort of a bomb dropper. So I originally heard about life coaching in 2003. I, I believe I stumbled upon it you know, quote unquote, stumbled upon it because we don't ever stumble upon anything by accident mm-hmm. online. And I was like, oh, this is like a thing. This is this is like a profession. I would love to do that. And I remember talking to my my then husband is now my ex-husband. And I said, this sounds really awesome and something I could do. But I think that someone that does this would probably need some you know, juicy life experience. And I don't have a lot of that. So be careful what you wish for because the universe was listening. And two years later, my, my ex-husband and I, we were, we were 
uh, talking about trying to conceive our first child and he had an affair with our neighbor and got her pregnant and we divorced not that long afterwards. And it was a very traumatic and dramatic divorce. He and I had been together for almost 14 years Mm -hmm. and I was forced out of a family, you know, as, as anyone who's been divorced knows how that can be really complicated. And then I got into a relationship with someone who was my perfect match. You know, we were both very broken and that ended up ending very badly about nine or 10 months later. And I found myself conned out of thousands of dollars from this person. He was, um, you know, he had done everything from cheated on me, lied about having cancer, sent me to Mexico to get his drugs when I thought I was getting cancer medication at night in Tijuana, Mexico. There were so many, I mean, it's like a lifetime movie. When I tell the whole story, people are riveted and they're like, that is like a lifetime movie. And mm-hmm. and I felt that way. And I was so ashamed and embarrassed. And it was, I was 31 at the time. So it was like right when my friends were, everybody was getting married and having babies and really happy. And I just was a hot mess. Mm. And I had isolated myself from all of my friends because I was so ashamed and humiliated about where I was. And so I had my moment on the ground, you know, the, the in the fetal position, for most people, it's in the bathroom. Mine was in my bedroom, <laughs> but I was, I was curled up in a ball after that second relationship ended. And this was right around the time that the movie, The Secret had come out. I know it was a book before it was on DVD and, and I got a copy of the DVD and started really jumping into personal development and took responsibility for my entire life and got the help that I needed, which was a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> Kind of put myself on the fast track to healing my own life. And that's also when I signed up for for life coach training. And that was in 2007, 2008. And then I officially launched Your Kick-Ass Life in 2010. And it's, you know, it hasn't always been beautiful and perfect, but it has been quite a learning road. And I'm, I'm always really transparent about my stories and what's still going on now and what I struggle with today. And And then my second book was born and here we are. Mm, I'm always so grateful when you share that because I really feel like so many, we we look at the outside picture and we never get to, or look for the backstory, right? So I know so many people are in that position right now. Like, why am I here? What what did you do? I asked that question. And and what came up for you? Well, you know, I asked myself that question a a million times, like, and you know, I, I, I grew up going to church and and all of that and then sort of pulled away from religion and went through my own sort of like spiritual transition. But believe me, there was a point where I fell to the ground on my knees and looked up at the sky and was like, this is not, I know this is not where I am destined to be. Hmm. So whatever it is, I am open to hearing what it is, is in store for me because I know that this isn't it. Like I knew at my core, I was not destined for failure and unhappiness and Mm -hmm. this dreary place that I was in. And, but I know that there, a lot of people have those moments where like, is this it, you know, and that was my rock bottom. And so when I would ask myself that, uh, I just, I don't ask myself that anymore. I did back then, but now I always know that that failures and mistakes and and hard times are always always going to be great content. You know, I'm a writer. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. yep. We, we have to be careful because sometimes we can kind of remove ourselves from situations and look at it like a narrator. But also, I just know that something good is going to come out of it, mm-hmm. even if it sucks in the moment. Oh my God, that's so true. I you're reminding me right now. I literally right just finishing writing my book. I was like. 
please, God, help bring me some content. And like <laughs> so much content came up that week. I was like, hey, hey, God, I'm done with the content. I literally had that conversation. <laughs> you just reminded yeah. me. Um, so you mentioned a lot, you were, you were saying going through your journey, you were mentioning a lot of shame and you were embarrassed. And, you know, I was reading through your book and you talk a lot about what shame has to do with, uh, some of these habits that are holding us back or these habits that are going on right now. Can you explain a little bit about, about that? Yeah. So how the, the entire topic for the book came about is that I'm, I'm certified with the Coaches Training Institute, but also with the work of Dr. Brene Brown. Mm -hmm. So for those who aren't familiar with her, she is a researcher who has written many books and dedicated her professional career to studying, started out studying connection and ended up studying shame and courage and authenticity. And so through that work that I started in 2014, the program that I run with my clients is there's a particular part in the program where Brene calls it your armor. So these are the behaviors that we do that we put on, so to speak, where we are trying to protect ourselves from criticism, judgment, and shame. So this is the perfectionism, isolating and hiding out, numbing out. For some, it's self-sabotage, people-pleasing. Control is a big one for my people. Overachieving is a big one for my people. And and again, we do these things in an effort to try to protect ourselves from shame. And, you know, my people and probably a lot of your listeners might say something like, you know, I don't walk around feeling ashamed about myself or my life. And it's not a you know, a, a, a thought or feeling that runs through me a lot. And I agree with that. M- me too. But we are letting shame run us when we are participating in any or all of those behaviors. So that was so resonant with my people. And the more I started doing the work with with women, I knew that I had to write a whole book about it. And Brene talks about, you know, the most common three or four. And I found that there were 14. Mm -hmm. So I really ran with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely, I feel like 14 is a pretty good, I mean, I could help with that list as well. So, so what were some of the main ones? Did you have chapters that were much easier to write for you because you're living them? What are some that really affect you? The ones I still struggle with the most, well, I mean, all of them, it's interesting. Like the only one that I felt like I didn't have a lot of experience with was the imposter complex. Mm. And I, I really thought about it and I'm like, gosh, I don't, I don't really feel like a fraud. I don't walk around feeling like, like, um, you know, people are going to like find out that I am, that I don't really know what I am doing. And and I know, but a lot of women do struggle with that. Mm But what's interesting, just recently when I went to shoot my book trailer for this book and I had a photo shoot not far before that. So like I'm in full hair and makeup and, you know, wearing clothes. And these are actual clothes that I would wear. I mean, it's not like I'm wearing someone else's clothes or trying to look like someone I'm not. It's just me really polished. That's when I feel like a fraud. That's where I get really uncomfortable and I'm like, okay, people are going to see through this. Like this is making me, I just, the discomfort level goes through the roof. Mm. So that sort of sealed the deal that I do struggle with all of these. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) But control, like on an everyday level, probably control Mm. is the one uh, I struggle with the most. I don't, I like certainty. You know, I like, I love planning. Um, Get me, give me like a good app where I can, I can plan out anything from my grocery list to my podcast (laughs) schedule Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I'm a happy girl. So those are probably that one and and perfectionism a little bit, but mostly control. 
Where does that show up for you? So I know, you know, when you lead a really um, goal-oriented type of life and when you're an entrepreneur, you really have to know how to control things. So how do we know when to stop from, you know, somewhat healthy control into what we should really let go right now? It, it shows up the I've, I think that I've done a decent job in my business. It's interesting. I think because, you know, I don't, maybe it's just because it's not another person. I don't know. And I, and I have a really great team. I think that helps so much. I, I've had the same online business manager since 2012. So she knows my business inside and out. I trust her implicitly to even make decisions on things where like she knows my taste Mm. so she can make decisions on things. So I think that that has helped a lot, but I find myself controlling in with my, with my family, you know, my husband and my kids. So for instance, I'll give you a quick example. My daughter's in second grade and she gets this project where they have to do a report on a penguin. And I didn't know this, but there's a lot of different types of penguins. So she could pick one. And the the teacher had mentioned, you know, that they're learning the most about emperor penguins, but you know, that's going to be the common theme. But if they want to choose a different one, they they can. And so my daughter saw that there's a, something called a fairy penguin. Mm. So she's like, that's the one I want to do the report on. So I, my husband decides that he's going to help her with the report and they're halfway through. And I see that they're doing the emperor penguin. And I'm like, that's not what she originally chose. I thought she was going to do the fairy penguin. And he's like, well, we found more information on this one particular site. I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) No. Like that. I mean, that's ridiculous. She's in second grade. It's a report on penguins. And, and I, I have to stop myself in those moments. And because I want to, I want to be right. Right. I want to do it my way because I feel like my way is the best way. So in moments like that, I really notice that there might be something else going on in my life that I need to address that I'm not. Mm. So is there a different conversation I need to have with my husband that has nothing to do with fairy penguins? <laughs> Probably. So again, like this, this book isn't about not learning how to not do these behaviors anymore. This book is about knowing what your triggers are mm. and noticing when you're doing those behaviors so you can choose something else. And, you know, it's full of solutions as well. But I just want to make that clear that this isn't about like changing your behaviors completely because that scares the crap out of people. Mm. It's about it's massive self-awareness around them. Mm. Yeah. Self-awareness is definitely the the more aware I can become. And like you said before, it's it's like sometimes when people become aware, they, they can become even more ashamed or they can feel bad and they can kind of spiral yes. out. So for me now, I understand that when I become aware and I'm like, whoa, whoa, what am I doing again? Like I bring in a lot of love and grace around that, but what does that look like? What do you recommend for people when you're in those moments of I'm here again, I'm doing this again? Mm-hmm. I think that Well, I call that the ultimate ass kicker. Like when we beat ourselves up, when we start to know what else we need to work on. And I I think that this doesn't get talked about a whole lot in in personal development. So I'm going to preface this. I think that there's an element of grief for some people where they start to go in to this topic in general or a particular topic in their life and they start to really become aware. So like, let's just take, for instance, like family of origin issues. And they start to realize why they act the way that they do because of their relationship with their father or something. And then 
what happens too, it's like, I, I also call it the point of no return where you can't unsee it. Like you realize that this is happening and then you start to realize all of your patterns around it. And you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I'm so damaged. I'm so broken. How am I ever going to fix this? The, 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 the path seems so long to healing. And there's that, that spot where I think many of us get where we kind of want to go back. Like we kind of want to go back to that ignorance place of just not knowing and just like behaving poorly. (laughs) (laughs) So much easier. (laughs) Either, you know, like binge drinking or, or, or just avoiding like, God, wasn't that such an easier place to live just up on the surface of my life. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to acknowledge that for anyone listening, like if you're there or you kind of like come in and out of that place of of grief, because I enter that sometimes. I'm like, oh God, another layer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so I just want to say that first and foremost, but I, I do think that the the metaphor or analogy of of an onion is great here. You know, there, there's always more layers. I when, when I wrote my first book, I I bumped up against a lot of stuff of, of being seen and, and the spotlight, it scared the crap out of me. So then with the second book, I knew it was coming and I was kind of better prepared for it. Like, again, I knew it might be coming again, but it's like more upper limit stuff. And, Mm. and there were some things that were happening and I was talking to some of my colleagues about it. And like, for instance, I, the first time I wrote my book, I only had one book event and it was in San Diego where I'm from, where I, I knew, you know, 98% of the people who were coming, it was safe because for me to, and of course this was all in retrospect, I realized for me to hold events in various cities would mean that, you know, I was equally afraid people would show up and that they wouldn't show up. So like both outcomes were scary. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also I think that this was really interesting. What ended up happening is I realized like, if I do like step into the spotlight, if I do allow people to celebrate this success with me, then that means that I am admitting that I actually do matter and that my voice does matter. And that is a, a core belief I think that most of us have had to work on. And you know, there's a part of me that doesn't want that, you know, that wants to just like stay safe and small and not risk that at all. Mm-hmm. So I think that, again, it's, it's a testimony to self-awareness and I saw it very quickly. I saw it happening very quickly this time around. And on one hand, it was liberating to, to know and to see it instead of like, I wouldn't say like I rolled the welcome mat out, but I mean, <laughs> it was painful. And then on the other hand, it's still really hard, but, but I, I, as these layers get peeled and as you keep taking steps in your personal development journey, I think it does get, I think you do start to roll the welcome mat out a little bit and you're like, okay. And it, and what it comes down to Lori, honestly is self-trust. Mm-hmm. I trust myself enough that I can get through this. Whereas before I was like, mm, it's a toss up. I don't know. But now it's like, okay, I've, I've been through this before and it's going to look a little bit different, but I'm, I'm sure I will be great on the other end. That's amazing. So for those who have not been through it before, so let's say, cause I, I really feel like I hear this all the time and I, I've done this so many times as well, uh, where you were talking about what, you know, maybe it's a program or maybe it's an event or maybe it's something they're thinking of doing. It's, it's the what ifs that just, you get stuck there. What if people don't show up? What if I don't know a question that these people are asking and I look like an idiot, you know, mm-hmm. all of these things that we focus on, um, around what's, holding us back. So is there anything that you would tell people who have not been to the other side yet and know that, you know, failure is vital and important? 
And could happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. very well could happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, I think, gosh, there's so many directions to go, but I think it becomes a matter of, you know, there's there's the meta view and, you know, life coaching 101, where we might ask, do you want to get to the end of your life and know that you said no to all these opportunities because you were afraid of what could happen? Or do you want to get to the end of your life and say like, yeah, I tried that and it worked out really well, or it was terrible. We gain courage and confidence by walking into these risky, emotional, vulnerable spaces and sometimes failing. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody else about the word failure and how much I hate it. And I like, I think it just has such a bad reputation. Mm-hmm. I, I embrace failure. It's, it's uncomfortable. I, I don't, you know, it, again, it's one of those things where it's like a love hate relationship, but I don't really think anything's a failure because we always learn from it. I just really want to emphasize to people that that is where your biggest leaps and bounds will come. And, and incite you to be a more successful human being, whether that's financially or emotionally or any way around it, by doing things that scare you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. you're just bringing up all these different things in my life. Same exact things. It's like, yes, you could fail. And I feel like if we think about other people, it's, you know, let's just say speaking, for example, like I have this big speaking thing coming up and I've, I've thought, okay, I could totally fail. And I could say things that are not a fit for this audience. And it might go over like, you know, a total bomb. So we've seen people who've not been good speakers and what happens? You, you kind of just say, okay, that wasn't the greatest. And you forget about it. Like you really just don't remember or care. So at the end of the day, even if you're terrible or your program is awful and you get that feedback, it's like people don't really remember and you just move on and take all that feedback, right? Have you had a moment where you're like, wow, okay, reassessing that one. What was some feedback that you got that you took and made something better? Totally. I had a program that failed. God, when was that? I think it was in 2014. And the mistake I made was was listening to everybody else and not listening to myself. Mm-hmm. So I had colleagues and people saying like, oh, you have got to create this type of program and it needs to cost this much. And I was like, mm. I don't think I was ready emotionally for it, mm-hmm. nor was my heart really in it. I just, I didn't feel like it was my idea. It, was, it didn't come from my soul. So it's kind of just doing like what I what I thought I should do. And I think that some people have these failures when it's the opposite, when it was from their heart and soul and it doesn't work out. I think that that's even more confusing. Mm-hmm. But this was my experience and I and I walked into it and the lead up was really great and we had tons of interest with this other free program that I was doing and I got three sales. Mm-hmm. And the the conversion was it was like everybody was surprised. Everybody was like, what just happened? No, I take that back. My OBM, the one I just mentioned that's been with me forever, she was the one who was like, I don't know. You know, <laughs> she was the only one who was a little bit skeptical it could work, it would work. And I think that it was because she she knew more than I did. But at any rate, it didn't work. And I ended up closing registration like a couple of days before it was even supposed to close because I was like, even if I get a bunch of sales at the very end, my heart isn't in this. I need to completely reassess. So what I, to answer your question about, you know, the feedback, I think that that was more of my own feedback and listening to what, what was really going on. Like I was doing something that other people wanted me to do. And in a way I was sort of people pleasing and 
not following my own intuition about what needed to happen. And at the end of the day, it was a slight disaster, but I learned so much from it. <laughs> I could talk about it now. Like it was, it was, it was kind of awful when it was happening, but, um, but yeah, lots changed since then. Uh, I can so, I can so resonate with that. It's it, when you put something out like that and you see that come through, it's almost these moments of just questioning your whole being and like your whole existence. Like, yeah. Yes. Like what's it all for? <laughs> You can, you can totally go there and you do go there. And I think it's also important to, to go to those places because it, it makes a clearing, right? It's almost like, okay, well, this isn't it. So I can take that out. Like I can take that yeah. off the plate. Let's see what's really happening. So what came through after that? I I'm trying to think like what, um, what did I do after that? I think that I went back to my old business model because it was it was it was kind of working at the time. And then I think that that is when that is around the time I got the idea for the second book. And then also just really started a practice around listening to my intuition, but but more specifically, what were the everyday practices around that? So mm -hmm. meditation and slowing down. I mean, if you can't tell for people who are new to me, I have a lot of energy. <laughs> <laughs> I talk fast. I am fast paced. And for me to slow down is, you know, it, it's like cats and dogs being friends. It's, it's just, it's not likely. So it was about what that practice is. And I started really also, you know, for the sake of being esoteric, I started really looking into things like the divine feminine. And that was really weird for me because I had always kind of like eye rolled about that. And I'm like, oh, okay, with your boho skirts and your flowered crowns. Like, that's not for me. <laughs> but I kept being drawn to these people. And I'm like, what? is this? Like, why, why, why? And these women kept coming into my life who were teachers of that. And I started to just listen and I'm like, okay, fine. And I got the word surrender tattooed on my arm. I think I had just gotten that tattoo the last time I was on your show oh. and, and just started to listen. And it's been incredible. Like it's been mm. like, holy crap, incredible. Just the power of listening to what your soul is saying, I'm a firm believer that it is our sixth sense mm -hmm. and that we have infinitely so much power than we actually think that we do. And our ego has done an excellent job of getting in the way. I know mine has. Mine has made it a professional career of keeping me small and safe mm -hmm. and tries to squash that part of me. And, you know, I'm even learning about my my heritage and my lineage because I felt a strong pull to this particular culture. And I'm like, what is that? I, I felt it since I was a child and learning about my heritage. I'm like, okay, no wonder. And, and just, and being open to whatever comes. And that's hard for someone who has really grasped onto control and overachieving as my identity and self-worth. So I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that I'm growing up. I mean, I'm 42. So I'm like, okay, now now's maybe the time to be an adult and, <laughs> and mature into this like wise woman. And it's, it's fun. It's fun. And it's not scary anymore. Whereas before it kind of was, cause I was really holding on to this old identity. So I'm really trying to lean into surrendering. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. So it's one thing to say you're open, right? Cause I know you had said this a couple times before, but what is it? Cause we can say we're open. You know, a lot of people on the podcast will say, okay, sure. I'll, I'll be open. But the second that this new thing comes, you're like, well, that's not what it's supposed to look like. So no. And that's not right. what it's supposed to look like. So no. So what does, what does it mean to surrender and be open for people? Like what is, on the day to day, what does that actually translate into? So for instance, I mean, I'll use a really easy example of something like traffic. 
So, you know, raise your hand if you <laughs> get stuck in, and I live in the rural North Carolina now. I'm from Southern California, born and bred. And we're in rural North Carolina now. So for me to be in traffic is, is sort of, you know, I get stuck behind like a tractor right. and I'm like, ah, <laughs> and, and now like before I would get so upset and now I'm just like, oh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there. Hmm. And even, I know that again, might sound like a really small example, but it's just, it's not that big of a deal. Like one of my very first coaches years ago used to ask me that question all the time. She's like, Andrea, you get so upset about things. Like what if it just wasn't that big of a deal? So I have carried that question with me as a, really, I took that as a gift from her. And I ask myself that all the time. I don't even really need to consciously ask myself that anymore, but like, like the, the penguin project, like what if it really wasn't that big of a deal? And then that allows me to walk away from it and surrender and, and give it up. And, and kind of on a bigger scale, my dad died in October of 2016. And that's when I got the tattoo because for someone like me who has really tried to control and engineer my own emotions, that was, you know, surrendering to that has been quite a journey and just surrendering to my grief and what it looks like on, you know, any, any given day and what does joy look like and, um, and rage, you know, I'm not even going to say that I had a lot of anger from, from my, my divorce and what happened. Like I had full on, rage mm -hmm. and surrendering to that because our emotions live in our body. You know, I heard a quote one time that I, I wish I knew what book it was from, but um, somebody said somewhere, we can't expect to bury our emotions and, and expect them to die. Mm -hmm. And we, we, we want that, you know, we want many of us just kind of sweep it under the rug and, and grief is too hard and rage is too scary. And, disappointment and regret and feeling left out and unworthiness, like those are hard, full contact emotions. And so I have tried to surrender to them. And the interesting thing is like, I didn't die. <laughs> <Yeah>. Amazing. <laughs> okay. Still here. I know, right? And it's, I, I do, I think that many of us have this fear, like this core fear that, you know, if I open up Pandora's box, I don't think I'll ever stop crying. Mm. And I work with a lot of strong women and I use the word strong loosely because they wear it as armor. Being strong is one of the habits in the book and they wear that as a badge of honor and feel like anything less than that is, is to be weak and, mm. you know, unappreciated and stereotypical hysterical women. And we don't want that. And, you know, I love a good feminist, but I think that one of the side effects, the unintended side effects was that we need to be strong and not show anyone our softer side. And that's been a goal. A goal of mine is just to release that and surrender into the emotions and feelings and actually feel them. Mm -hmm. So it was a very long winded answer. <laughs> no, oh, I love it. I love those answers. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, literally it's it's so I feel like it's so important to I try to allow myself some space when things come up just to even feel, um, you know, if I'm angry or I hear something or some even if it's feedback and it's good feedback, but it hurts. Like, I think it's so important to even if you need to cry, if you need to go for a walk and freak out, like because there's always an, there's always the other side, even if it feels like, wow, I'm never going to stop crying. Sometimes when you fully surrender, you get out so much faster. You're like, okay, that was five minutes of just straight up wailing, but I can't, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I'm actually done. Like you're over, you could actually be like, no, I'm really bored of crying. Like I'm, I'm good. totally yeah. over it <laughs> for now anyway. 
Well, the only way out is through. That's one of my favorite all time quotes. The only way out is through. And I spent years trying to go around it, you know, trying to go over it. Can I just like dig a hole and go under Mm -hmm. it? Like I would, even if it was the way harder route, that was the one I was going to do that took up more energy than actually just walking through it. And it was Mm -hmm. just that fear that, that I wasn't going to be okay. It was, it was, it came down to self-trust. Like I didn't trust myself enough that I could make it through. Mm. You know, so I get to talk to so many different women and I feel like obviously you're coaching as well and doing a lot of different things with people. So you're hearing your, your fingers on the pulse a lot of what's holding people back. What is Mm -hmm. stopping people? What, what are some of the main things that you hear coming up from women about why they're not creating a life that they're excited to show up for? I think it's, it all comes down to fear and it's fear of something. And most women have a list of things that they're afraid of. And one of the things that I think that doesn't get talked about a lot is, is I think most people have the fear of failure. A lot of people have the fear of success. So that can look like success in their business and success in their relationships. And it seems a little counterintuitive, right? Because it's like, of course, like, why wouldn't we want to have success? That's what we're all here for. That's what we listen to this podcast for. It doesn't make any sense. But I think that what it comes like when you really start to, again, peel back the layers or dig deeper into it, it becomes these questions of if I am successful, who am I going to leave behind? Mm -hmm. Who am I going to make uncomfortable? who will judge me or criticize me? How am I going to sustain this? I know that's been a really big one for me being a mom and trying to juggle work-life balance, which I do imperfectly, but I I do do it. You know, what are, what are people going to think? What if it fails? Like, what if I get so big that it fails and actually being seen in, whether that's success in your relationships or success in a business, if you're an entrepreneur, or even if you are a regular nine to five corporate person of, of being successful and, and being promoted and being seen by more people, it's riskier. Mm-hmm. And we see how awful people are online and, and the haters and things like that. And that's, you know, when you fail, you don't have to deal with any of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're small, you don't have to deal with any of that. So, but when you are successful, there's all these new fears. And I think it's kind of that thing that not a lot of people are, are talking about. And, you know, all we were bombarded with, you know, be more successful and and build your seven figure business. And because it's not a six figure business anymore. It's definitely a <laughs> yeah, whole new conversation. Right. And, and you need to be like embracing success and be a boss and all this thing. And of course, I think that's amazing. But for a lot of us, it's terrifying. Yeah. And that's why we hit earning plateaus. That's why we hit success plateaus. That's why we hit success in our relationship plateaus. And, and it, 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 you know, comes around to those, these upper limit things that so many of us face. And that I believe is what's in the forefront of my mind of what holds women back. I, I can peg myself in so many of those different areas uh, because it's it's new. Like every new level brings something completely new. But for me, I've I've worked out that idea of you know. But I'm not. I don't necessarily want to stay where I'm at. I'm so in love with growth. So yes, I'm also a bit addicted to achieving. Um, but what does that look like for people who you know they can't? I think that we don't leave. We're so afraid of 
success, obviously, because of what's, we don't know what's on the other side, but we're also so miserable. So when do people know it's worth it? Because I I hear a lot of people say to me, you know, I want this so bad, but I just don't know if it's worth it. Or I just don't think Mm -hmm. it's worth it. Is there a way or or some, a tool that you use to kind of be like, well, you have to just decide or, or weigh these two things out. I do. I think it comes to, I, I agree with you. I think it, you just have to come to a, to a place where you decide. And I also, again, it's like the, the life coaching one-on-one thing, like at the end of your life, yeah. <laughs> do, do you want to look back on 2018 mm. and be proud? What do you want to look back on and be proud of? Like, that's a question I ask people too. You know, what do you want to look back on and be proud of in your life? Do you want to be proud that you tried it and maybe it ended up being not worth it and you went back to your old job or, or, you know, just did something different or, or whatever. Or do you want to be proud of the fact that you just didn't try at all? Mm. I think that those can be some, some great questions to answer. And I think that, um, you know, the whole concept of, of, is this really worth it? I think that a lot of times we don't know. We make up stories about how hard it's going to be or how hard we actually need to work. Or we make up a lot of stories too about what success is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to really define that for yourself too. You know, people, I, I used to get that question a lot. Like, what do you think success is? Or, or when do you think you've made it? And I'm like, I made it a long time ago just for the sole fact that I decided to work for myself. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't a money, it wasn't a money amount or a dollar amount or anything like that. It was just the simple fact of like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to do this. It's something that not a, a lot of people talk about that they want to do, but not a lot of people actually go for <laughs> that. Then I was like, I'm done. I'm successful just because I tried it. Oh, I love that. You're, it's so I had this moment in my life where I was like, I just learned that I can't work for people. Like I cannot be told what to do by a quote unquote boss. So after, (laughs) after I decided that and started working for myself, really, to be honest, I was like, okay, even if I completely fail, I will like at the end of the day, I'll just pop up a million lemonade stands and I'll still be working for myself and that will still be better. (laughs) (laughs) Totally see that. Still be better (laughs) than being told what to do. I don't know. It just was like this rebellious feeling where I was like, like, no, this is not going to work for me. Um, so yeah. in your book, there was this chapter that popped out to me on the table of contents that I had to go and look at because I was just dying to know. And I, I bet I know what it is. Um, <laughs> what, what I know to be true. Oh, okay. I just want, I needed to know. I'm like, what does she know from everything that she knows to be true? Because at the end of the day, I think we all know what we know to be true, but we just deny it. I'm so curious what you thought of it because you're one of my very first interviews on this and nobody's asked me about this yet. I didn't get any feedback from my editor. That was thrown in. Totally. Like I wrote that on the plane coming back from visiting my dad. So I'm super curious what you thought of it. Oh, I didn't get to read all of it. So I'm wondering right now. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just read the title. (laughs) No, I went to it right before this and I was like, okay, I'm dying to know everything. Don't you love podcast? Don't you love podcasting? You're like, oh no, (laughs) hold on. I didn't get through all of it. Oh my gosh. But you know what I'm, you know what I will do? I'm going to read it right after this and then I will get back to you. So I'll, I'll give you some feedback on it. It's really short. It's only like two and a half pages. Okay. Perfect. (laughs) Well, no, I, I do remember what it was. And I wrote that chapter on the way home. So my, my dad got sick just uh, 
brief backstory so you can understand the timeline and how quickly all this happened. Mm. So my dad got sick at the very, or in September of 2016, we got the call. It was like the last week of September that he had been diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia mm. and he probably didn't have much longer. So I flew home October 5th, I think it was. And I spent four or five days there with him and my stepmother. And he had deteriorated. I had just seen him in June of that year and he was totally fine. He was my regular dad. Mm. And so when I saw him in October, he had deteriorated and he was unrecognizable. Mm. And they had said, you know, he probably has a few months. And I was like, no, he doesn't. He has a few weeks at best. And he was dead on October 16th. Mm. So when I was there, you know, it was excruciating. You know, I saw things that no child or adult child should see happen to their parents. And he, he was deteriorating before my eyes. And I think that what I what I wrote was, and I'm looking at the page right now, just so I so I can articulate it better. And uh, do you want me to just read it? It's just a couple paragraphs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I said, I truly believe we are all here to learn, to serve, and to love others and ourselves. You are responsible for all three of those. All three are equally hard to do and scary to commit to. But when we pledge to do them, learning, serving, and loving can be the most beautiful things you'll ever do. Mm -hmm. I truly believe that our happiness is measured by the health of our relationships that we have with the people we care the most about. I truly believe that we are all trying to find ourselves, find each other, and make our way back to each other. I also believe that if we walk toward our pain and our joy instead of away from them and talked openly about our pain and joy more, we would heal and grow and be more connected to one another. By having these connections, it would feel like everything you've ever wanted. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that in this life, we are all just walking each other home. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's amazing. That literally brought tears to my eyes because I think we know that. And I'm sure everybody listening knows that. So... Your happiness is measured by the health of your relationships. How do you feel right now about the health of your relationships? Are you doing something uh, to make sure that you are investing in them? Is there things that you do? Are there reminders around that? Yeah, and this is the part probably where I'll cry because you know, and and the reason I wrote that is is because you know I was I was walking away. I was flying home from California to North Carolina to, you know, and I, and I knew that my dad was going to die within a couple of weeks. And and I actually did end up flying home that following week. And I was with him when he died. And it was just he and I, my stepmother had left about an hour before that to go home and, and get some sleep. And, and it was just he and I when he died. And, and, you know, people say to me, oh, you're so brave to tell your story on podcasts and on your blog and, and publicly. And, and I'm like, you guys, like, this isn't, to me, that's not, to me, that's easy. I mean, like the most of you are strangers. Like what's really hard mm-hmm. is having like deathbed conversations with my dad or having hard conversations with my husband and saying like, here's what I really need. And mm-hmm. it's so hard for me to reach out for help because I, I, you know, I make up that he thinks that I'm this pillar of strength or having a hard conversation with my best friend or apologizing to my children. Like the people that we care about the most, those are the the hardest to nurture and tell our truth to and expose all of our flaws and everything. But I think also what made me write that is my dad was a highly sensitive person who struggled his whole life with anxiety and depression. And and really, really did his best and tried so hard to combat those things. And he had 20 something years of sobriety. And I think for him, when he got sober in the early nineties, 
I was 18 and he started to kind of dive into personal development and started to repair some relationships from his life and some mistakes that he had made. And, and he did come a long way. He, he did make amends to, I think everyone that he needed to. And I'm really proud of him for that. But I think that there came a point in his life where it was just too difficult. He had too much shame and too much anxiety and he shut down and, you know, watching him die was such a wake up of like, (laughs) you have to have these conversations. Like, Mm -hmm. and I was, you know, I'm talking to myself, like I, of course I don't demand this of anyone else, but it really was like, we're, we're staring at his mortality was like, okay, like this is no joke. Like we are not here forever. We're not like, we're all going to die. And I know that he died with so many stories in his heart and so much more that he needed to say to people. Mm -hmm. He just did not have the courage to do it. And that was such a wake up for me about my personal relationships that I was like, it has to be done. And it it is so hard. I do. I just want to emphasize that, that I understand how hard it is to have these hard talks with the people that we love and care about the most. And it's easier to just like write a blog and, and you know, like maybe they'll see it. Maybe you'll read my book. <laughs> But yeah, that that's where that chapter came from. Mm. You know, I, I feel like the people who have that relationship actually with, you know, our own mortality, a lot of times I'm learning because I really allow myself to go there because uh, we avoid it, right? It's like, oh, we're invincible. We're not going to die. That's not going to happen or it's always going to stay this way. But if you, because it, it's scary, it's scary to go there and think of the end of your life. It's scary to think about, wow, I may not have these people in my life even for another day. But I feel like the more that we get in touch with that, the bigger we live, the more we live out our life. So absolutely. I think for you, just it, it's so crazy. Just My dad recently had a stroke and, and it's kind of like, it's the most horrible thing, obviously, and the, the passing of parents and things like that. But also it got me so in touch with how much time you have with your family. So mm-hmm. it was just such a, they can, you can create beautiful things out of them because it gives you the present back, you know, it, it kind of gives you the moments back instead of being like, oh yeah, well that'll wait. That phone call will yeah. wait and months just fly by. So yeah. Oh, thank you for sharing that. So mm-hmm. why, why this, why this book now? Cause I'm so excited you have another book because you guys, I don't know if you are going to listen to the last podcast, but I actually found Andrea because her book jumped out at me at an airport and I grabbed it. Fell on your head. Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> and grabbed it, got on the airplane um, because of the Instagrammer I am. I immediately like took a picture of the cover. I think you responded to me like immediately. I like tagged you in it and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This woman just talked to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, so now I love that you have another book out because it just, I just loved your first book. So why this book now? Well, thank you. You've always been so kind about that. And I I always appreciate somebody that actually reads the book, (laughs) except this one. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming. Oh, no, I'm teasing you. So this book, well, and it's funny, I wrote the first book. And if anyone's ever written a book, they probably can attest to it it is like having a child and and it's and you're like, never again, am I doing that? Mm -hmm. And they say that we don't find books that books find us. And so I I took a break. And you know, my agent kept calling me like, when are you writing a second book? And I'm like, never. (laughs) And sure enough, uh, what ended up happening is that it was just paying attention to my clients and seeing these things that 
that these patterns that they kept doing over and over again. And of course, my own experience too, but I really started noticing this theme. And I know Brene Brown talks about that this is armor. And I, of course, I'm not going to call it the same thing because it's not my term, but, <laughs> but it's these things that we do to try to protect ourselves. And, and she talks about just a few of them, but I knew that there was 14 and I, I named them all. And it just, again, it's one of those things that like when I know that something has helped me so much and it resonates with my community so much, I was like, I need to write a book about this. I mean, I already have an idea for a third book and, it, you know, I'm going to you know, not get too far ahead of myself, but I do think it is about just paying attention to what your soul is saying and what your people are saying. And if anyone's listening and you have a book in you and you are paying attention and your soul is speaking to you, write the damn book. Yeah. And I, I, you know, your first book is kind of just, it's so funny looking at your, your, did you have this experience is what I'm asking. Your first book is kind of like, you almost have to just get the experience. And while it's amazing and, you know, people love your book, it's kind of like, are you so grateful just to, because you're not a writer before that. It's like a wedding, right? You're throwing this wedding and all of a sudden you're like, well, I could throw another wedding because technically I'm now really experienced. So Mm -hmm. what did you feel like writing your second book after getting that out and having that experience? It was an interesting experience, both logistically and emotionally. So logistically, it was easier because I had already done it once. So I knew how to do an outline that that worked best for me. I knew how I worked best as far as like chunking my writing and deadlines and how to space all that out Mm -hmm. much easier the second time. As far as emotionally, it was kind of funny, not funny. You know, we were talking about the imposter complex earlier. I had told myself that I wasn't like a real writer because like I just write self-help and, you know, real writers are the Cheryl Strayeds and Elizabeth Gilberts and, and Glenn Doyle Melton's of the world. And they can just weave such beauty together with their words and sentences. And I thought to myself, like, maybe the first time was a fluke, you know, like somebody just really liked my brand and they're like, sure, we'll pay you money to write this book. But then when the second deal came through, I was like, well, maybe now I'm a legitimate author Mm. because... (laughs) (laughs) So it's so funny to pay attention to my own thought process. And I think too, it just makes people know that I'm human and I still struggle with the behaviors that I wrote about. But, but yeah, there was like the emotional stuff too. And like the second proposal was a whole lot easier because I had already written the first one. You know, if anybody goes in the route of traditional publishing, the proposal can be a beast. (laughs) And oh man, but yeah, the second one was easier because I had already written the first. But uh, I do think that they, it depends on what kind of book. Like I also want to write a memoir and that's completely different than writing self-help. So that scares me too. So maybe I'll fall back on that whole thing of, and I was, I was telling myself I'm not a memoirist. My friends were like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Like, not this again. <laughs> right? And I'm like, I write nonfiction, you know, like just yeah. self-help. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I'm having those conversations right now. So I'm, <laughs> that was just really selfish. I love hearing that everyone goes through the same thing. And that's so important. That's why I love podcasting is if we would just talk more about this stuff, we would not only be more connected, but we would have more courage and excitement around the things that we want to do because we know what's coming. It's like when you know it's yeah. coming, it's just not as bad when that wave hits you. You're like, nope, knew this was coming. So knew this was going to stab me in the face. Yeah. yeah. Totally ready. Okay, so what do you want people to know about this book? Who is this for? 
It's for, you know, it's mostly for women. It's if, if you're a dude and you're listening, like for sure, it will help you. I, I, I have had a couple men read it and they're like, I totally resonated with so many of these. So it's not just for women, but I did write it for, with women in mind and that's the majority of my clients. So that's, that's why that happened. And it's for anyone who beats themselves up and struggles in those areas that I was talking about, like perfectionism, people pleasing, some self-sabotage, imposter complex, control, overachieving, the concept of being strong. And I, you know, when I say all those behaviors, people are usually nodding and they're like, that sounds like my to-do list. So, (laughs) and it's mine too. But again, I I just want to emphasize that it's not about getting to a place where you don't do any of those behaviors. Like the major win is knowing when you do them quickly so you can choose something else. Amazing. So Andrea, I just want to acknowledge you for all of your amazing work in the world and thank you for being so consistent. And I have to say, you know, I get to talk to a lot of people and you're someone who just shows up so real and so authentic and so comforting and just your energy just feels like I've always known you forever and that you've been in my life, even though a year can pass, two years can pass of not talking to you. And it just feels so good. So I just want to thank you for everything that you do for women and for writing this book. I'm super excited to read all of it. <laughs> and when I get a physical copy, this I'm like a physical copy book person. So I, can't, I know I they're coming. Wait for they're that. coming. I can't wait. <laughs> so thank you so much. And I think we're doing a, a, a giveaway. We are. So I think probably by the time this airs, if not shortly afterwards, there will be an Instagram post on your account about yes. this. And what we want people to do is just comment and tell Lori and me what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? And I'm, I'm so happy that, that you listened to the whole thing and that it resonated <laughs> with you. And I am going to just pick at random. So please, you know, check your Instagram notifications. Cause I will tag you and tell you that you won. And then you can, we can figure out how to get your mailing address and then you'll have a copy and I'm really excited. And, and thank you so much, Lori. I've always found you to be so incredibly generous to not just your, um, followers, but your colleagues and peers as well. And it's, um, it, the industry can be interesting, you know, cause not, a, <laughs> doesn't always happen. I'll just say that with a big smile on my face. So thank you for being just truly who you are online as you are in real life. It's just, it's a real gift to everyone. Oh, thank you for that. I will listen to that again. <laughs> Let's just spend the whole hour re- validating the Andrea, I'm going to replay like, that. that? Like, <laughs> hey, there we go. Welcome to our validation podcast. <laughs> it's going to be awesome for us. <laughs> okay. Where can we find you? Where can we get the book? You can, it's on online retailers everywhere. Uh, January 2nd, it's officially in bookstores and I'm at Your Kick-Ass Life. You can find the book there as well as and social media. Those are my handles. Amazing. And you guys, we will put that all in the show notes for you. So you can go directly there also to follow that link. So if you loved this episode as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest 
thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye.